الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاءوا من بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف الرحيم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Once the Prophet وسلم, was sitting with a group of his companions and they were sitting in the masjid and he uh, gestured toward a doorway and he وسلم, said to the companions that look through that doorway is going to come a person of Jannah. Look through that, look that through that doorway is going to come a person of Jannah. And so, right after he said that, a man walked in. One of the companions had walked in, and uh, he was a very pious companion of the Prophet ﷺ. He walked in, and he had just completed his wudu, so much so that his beard was still dripping with with water, and he had his shoes in, in his hand still. So the Sahaba looked at him in amazement that well, this is. A special individual, the Prophet ﷺ is calling him a person of Jannah. Then the next day, the Sahaba were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ again, same place, same position, same situation, same circumstance. And the Prophet ﷺ again signaled toward that doorway. He said, "Look through that doorway. Is going to come through it. Uh, is going to come through. That, coming through that doorway will be a person of Jannah. Will be a man of Jannah." So the Sahaba looked, and through that doorway was the same Sahabi in the same position. He had his shoes in his hand. His beard was still dripping. He had just made wudu. So again, they were amazed. Wow, second day. Then the next day, the Prophet was sitting with his companions in the masjid again. And he signaled again, look through that doorway. There's going to come a person of Jannah, a man of Jannah, someone who's guaranteed Jannah. So the Sahaba looked and they saw that he had come in. The same individual had come in, same situation. The beard was still wet with, uh, with water. He just made wudu and he had his shoes in his hand because he just come inside the masjid. So this left the Sahaba amazed. And one Sahabi in particular, by the name of Abdullah bin Amr bin al-As, the son of Amr bin al-As, very pious companion, very pious companion. Of all the Sahaba, it said that he was one of the, he was kind of at the forefront when it comes to his ibadah toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was at the forefront. Uh, you know, it said about him that he used to fast every single day of the year except for the two Eids. Except for the two Eids, he fasts every single day of the year. And he used to pray Qiyamul Layl or Tahajjud every single night without fail. And he used to finish one Khatmul Qur'an every single day. From, from the beginning to end, he'd recite one Qur'an every single day. So amongst the Sahaba, he was considered someone who was elite when it came to his ability to worship Allah. I mean, that's a gift from Allah. Most of us, if we, even if we tried and we committed our life to it, we would never accomplish that. He was so extreme in this that actually his family had complained to the Prophet ﷺ that this is all he does. So the Prophet ﷺ said, your family has a right over you. He had just gotten married too and he wasn't giving the necessary, you could say, attention to his wife. So the Prophet ﷺ said, nope, you can't. So he cut back his routine. He said, you can, you can fast every other day. You can't fast every day. The fast of Dawood, you can fast every other day. And he said that from now on, you're going to do one Qur'an every three days. You won't be able to do one every day. This is how, this is how extreme he was. The Prophet ﷺ had to cut him back and say, slow down, take it easy. 
So this was this is Abdullah bin Amr bin Anas So he was amongst the Sahaba that was sitting and he was looking and he saw this person of Jannah coming in. He's wondering, this is the I've gone to these extremes when it comes to my ibadah and I see the Prophet proclaiming that this person is a person of Jannah. What what is it that he must be doing that's so special? You know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm praying so much, I'm Quran fasting. There must be something unique about him, some special dua he's reciting, some special dhikr he's do- performing, some special deed that I'm missing out on, clearly, that I need to, I need to then inculcate into my own life. So this person, uh, Abdullah bin Amr bin Al-As, عنه, he approached the man, that pious sahabi, who was kind of older. So he approached the man, he said, look, I, is it okay if I just spend a few days with you in your company? <coughs> In his mind, he was thinking, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with him for three days, and I'm going to figure out exactly what it is that he's doing. I'll watch him the entire time. So the man agreed, yeah, no problem, you can, you can come spend time with me. So in particular, the night is when he had stayed in his house. Abdullah bin Amr, he stayed in the house of this man. And he, uh, he said, okay, I'm going I'm to observe his every move. So the time had come, it was now evening time, it was time to go to bed, essentially. And so Abdullah bin Amr, he was in his home and he took like a, a, like a sheet, right, that you would sleep with. He took a sheet and he basically covered himself to go to sleep like this, right, to make it look like, okay, now I'm asleep. He's not going to know that I'm awake and I'm watching him. And uh, he'll do whatever he needs to do and I'll be able to catch it, inshallah, I'll then inculcate it. But he covered himself and he had a little hole. So he was looking through that hole to see what this man was doing. So, so then he, he was going like this and then the man, you know, nighttime had come. The, the pious man, he said, uh, he sat down on his bedding, or lie down on his bedding, and he said, Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahya, and he went to sleep. He just went to sleep. So now Abdullah bin Amr was wondering, well, what's so special about going to sleep? You know, I would, I would expect that he would spend the night in Qiyamul Layna. So he said, okay, maybe he'll wake up for the Hajj. So he watched him. Then the whole time he was watching him, and the man was sleeping, and he slept all the way until he heard the adhan of Fajr. So the Fajr adhan went off. And so Abdullah bin Amr was asking, was wondering, how did he miss the Hajjid prayer? Now, the Hajjid prayer in this day and age, it's a, it's a rare you know, commodity. Very few people engage in the Hajjid prayer. But at the time of the Sahaba, everyone prayed the Hajjid. It said that even the Munafiqeen would pray the Hajjid. That's how common it was amongst the community. So th- this was their state, right? So he was like, how could he have not prayed the Hajjid? What is it? Okay, so anyways, he woke up for the Fajr prayer and he prayed the Fajr prayer. He said, okay, I'm going to continue observing him. So the next night, same thing, he's in his house. He takes the sheet, he covers himself, and he goes to, he, you know, pretends essentially to go to sleep. And he has a little hole and he's watching what this man is doing. So same thing, the man's sitting, he's by his bedding. He says, Allahumma bismika amutu ahiyah, and he goes to sleep. So he's wondering, okay, this is strange. Maybe he'll wake up for the Hajjid. He wakes up with the call of Fajr. Yeah, then a fajr goes out, the man wakes up, and he wakes up to pray the fajr salah in the masjid. So, so then he's wondering, well, what is it? He's now, this is two nights now, I'm not, I haven't caught anything special, you know, at least in my own mind, nothing special. Okay, I'm going to keep observing him, maybe there's something else. So next night, same thing, he's in his home, time to go to sleep, he cover, takes a sheet, covers himself, and he can just observe him for the night. Same thing, the man recites the dua to go to sleep, he lies down, he sleeps, and he sleeps all the way until the fajr prayer. So now, three nights in a row, he's trying to observe him, and he's not picking up on why is it that the Prophet, in his mind, why is it that the Prophet Sallallahu guaranteed this person Jannah, and I'm here fasting every day, I'm here reciting one Qur'an every day, I'm here uh, praying through the night, and I'm not seeing these qualities, or at least these, these uh, actions and, and these a'mal in this person's life. So he confronted him the next morning, and he said, look, what, what is it about yourself? Why, what's so special about you? What is it that you're doing that... I'm not doing, or what is it? 
So the man said, nothing. I mean, exactly what you see is who I am. What you see is exactly who I am. There's nothing special about me. Whatever you've seen is, that's how I live my life. And, you know, he wasn't, like, purposely covering up something for the sake of not revealing it to this, to the, to Abdullah bin Amr. So he said, no, no, there's something. He said, no, there's nothing. So Abdullah bin Amr said, okay, you know what? I'm going to the Prophet, so I'm going to ask him directly. So he starts, well, he leaves, starts leaving to her, he walks out the door, basically. And then the, sahab, the, the older companion says, no, 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 listen, hold on, hold on, come back, come back, come back. So he calls him back, he calls him back, and he said, okay, look. And he tells that Sahabi, he said, you see right here? He said, in this, in this heart, I don't harbor ill feelings toward any other person. I don't harbor ill feelings toward any other person. And then he said that whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives something to someone else, I am appreciative of it and I'm happy that they've received it and I have no hasad in my heart that why didn't I get it. I'm completely content with what Allah has given me. So for those two reasons, so then after Abdullah bin Amr heard this, he jumped up and he said, Hada huwa. that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. That you don't harbor ill feelings toward anyone else and you don't have any envy or hasad. You are completely content with what Allah has given you and you appreciate when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses other people. That was it. That this man was guaranteed or was considered a man of Jannah three, ta- three days in a row in front of the, com- the Sahaba, the community of the Sahaba. This was a declaration or a testament of the Prophet wasallam, and this is what made him as special as who he was. He had a pure heart. Now, a principal goal for any one of us, if we're striving in our progression, in our nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that's the purpose that we are all here in the last 10 days of Ramadan, one of our goals, a principal goal, is that we remove all ill feelings and thoughts in our hearts about other people. That's a principal goal. And as a person begins to progress toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they go through a few stages in their progression. The first stage is that a person begins to control their limbs and those limbs that typically act, the, the, the limbs that typically harm one other person, those things come under control. So the first stage of progression is that if a person otherwise is used to backbiting, slandering, lying, cheating, using his hands, using his limbs in order to harm one other person, one of the first stages, one of the first signs that a person is making progress to Allah through their dhikr, through their consistency, is that they no longer are harming other people physically or through their tongue. And if a person continues to backbite or slander or lie or cheat or brings harm in some way, shape or form to any other person, then it's a sign that they've made very little progress when it comes to their progression toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first step is that 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 ill, that evil leaves their life. The hours on the phone, the hours in person backbiting about someone else, the hours of enjoyment when you when you tell lies about someone else, the, the pleasure that a person gets from criticizing a different person, that completely leaves. They're no longer, they no longer engage in that behavior. The second, which is the, higher, which is the next stage of progression, which indicates that a person is actually making progress in their nearness to Allah, is that not only are they not physically harming them with their tongue, with their, with their limbs, with their hands, etc., but even in their heart, they begin to lose ill feelings about another person. Even in their heart, they begin to lose ill feelings about another person. They, lo- they, they no longer harbor those ill feelings toward another person. And this is, you know, common. So, for instance, even if we say that, you know, I never backbite, I never speak ill of someone else, but when there's a group of people doing it and you're listening, you're enjoying it, and you're saying, give it to him, give it to him, give it to him, keep going, don't stop. 
You know, in our mind, we're thinking, just let it go. Or for instance, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed someone else in the community, he's given them five children. You're thinking, why is it that I only have one child? I only have one child. I want more. Allah's given it to them. Why is it that I can't have it? You know, you, you have a negative impression about someone else because of something they have. They have a great job. I wish they didn't have that job. Why couldn't I have that job? You begin to challenge where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directs his blessings upon the community. But a person who then reaches this next stage of progression through their dhikr, through their a'mal, through coming to the masjid, through spending time in i'tikaf, they then reach a point where they lose these ill feelings toward other people as well. They want what's good for other people. They don't harbor. Every night they go to bed thinking in their heart and in their mind that I've cleared and I've forgiven anyone that's ever harmed me. And I have no negative impression of anyone that's done anything to me. So that's the second stage of progression. And if a person still harbors feelings in their heart, or in their mind towards someone. It could be their parents, it could be their siblings, it could be their relatives, it could be someone in the community, even if they've been harmed by them, even if you've been harmed. But you still harbor ill feelings and that's a sign that you still haven't reached that stage. Progress still needs to be made. And then the, you could say the third and final stage, although there's some overlap, of course, is that a believer begins to feel that they are the one who's in most need of the mercy and attention of Allah. That's the pinnacle. Where you begin to think in your mind genuinely that I need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and his mercy and his attention more than anyone in the community. In other words, I am the worst servant of Allah and I have to focus 100% on myself before I direct my criticism toward anyone else. I have the ability to criticize. Allah Ta'ala has given me that ability to criticize rather than me criticizing my parents or my siblings or my children or my cousins or, or people that I see at work or people that I see at the store. I've learned to criticize myself because I feel that I am in need of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's mercy and Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's attention. I become so focused on my hereafter if we think about it, ultimately I'm going to stand before Allah and take account for every single deed. When I'm in my grave, I'm going to be by myself. And I have to answer the three questions and, and any additional questions that come my way. I have to uh, cross the sirat and I'm going to do this by myself. And if I have the time and effort and energy to worry about you know, what someone else did to me and the criticism they've portrayed toward me, if I have that time and energy, then I really need to channel that into myself. So that the, the next step is that after we've, we, we no longer harbor ill feelings toward others within our families and toward our communities, you know, both uh, believers and, and those who don't believe, the next, the ultimate stage of progression is that a person genuinely, not through lip service saying that I am the weakest and announcing to the community that I'm the worst person, you know, you shouldn't listen to me, but genuinely in your heart you begin to feel that I am desperately in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. And if a person reaches this state, then it's a sign that they've made progress through their dhikr or through their Qur'an toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first is that we don't engage in harming anyone else, ever. If there's ever a circumstance, I mean, we should never with our tongues, with our limbs, with our actions, with our, with our electronics, you know, nowadays there's many ways to attack people or harm people. We never bring harm to another person. It's just not worth it. We never, we never bring harm to another person. And number two, the next step, the next stage, is that we never harbor ill feelings about someone else. Every night when we go to bed, we should think, is there anyone that I think negatively about? Okay, I'm removing that from myself. Is there anyone that I haven't forgiven yet? Okay, I'm forgiving them right now. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no need to harbor these. Ultimately, we're going to be the ones that lose out in the end. And then the third and final stage is that, or the third stage, or the next stage, you can say, or uh, the, the next stage 
is that a person begin to feel that I, I am weak and I need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attention and mercy and I need to prepare for my hereafter. I have no right to criticize others when I still have room for improvement within my own life. So this is, the, this is what we learn from this story, that we, we, we aim to excel in our dhikr, we aim to excel in our Qur'an, we aim to excel in our ibadah, in our coming to the masjid, in spending time in the month of Ramadan, in coming and performing our dhikr. This is what we aim to do. But that must then translate into our interactions with other people. If it doesn't translate into our interactions with other people, such that we continue to bring harm to other people, or we continue to harbor ill feelings toward other people in our heart, then it's a sign that, that, this isn't, that we aren't making progress. And we really have to reflect upon our state and figure out, well, where is, what is it that I'm missing out on? We see from this example of the Sahabi, this Sahabi who didn't have any special deed in particular. He fulfilled the fara'id, he remained away from sin, he woke up for fajr prayer, he did these things. But there was nothing extra special per se that we would think about him except the most special thing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is that he appreciated and he loved and he wanted best for Allah's creation. And this is the maqam he was given, that he was considered a person of Jannah by the Prophet ﷺ. And if the Prophet ﷺ is declaring his Jannah, then that is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to become like the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to remove any harmful or evil feelings that we have toward one another or to anyone else that we interact with. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to prepare, allow us to progress through our dhikr and our Qur'an and our ibadah such that it translates into our relationships and our interactions. Actions with the rest of the community.